Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast and this is a podcast being recorded on the day that City lifted the Premier League trophy. Um, I know there were some people who said the job wasn't done and Arsenal were going to, especially a few months ago, that Arsenal were going to go on and win the league. It turns out that uh, an Arsenal defeat at Nottingham Forest on Saturday evening led to City clinching the title. So they played Chelsea, as we're recording this, earlier today. Uh, it was a fairly flat game. City won by a goal to nil. They played many of the what you'd consider second-string players. Uh, and uh, then they had the big celebration afterwards. The confetti cannons went off. The music was played. All the players were individually marched onto the stage. And uh, everybody got a chance to celebrate with the team, which was great. Now, first thing I should say is, uh, if you want to get a little bit of a flavour of what it was all about, have a look at the vlog that I do on YouTube. On all these days, I'm restricted on Premier League days to being able to video inside the stadium. I did sneak a few seconds of them lift, lifting the trophy and I took some still pictures as well, which isn't video, is it? Um, but I, I got lots of fans before and after and, and it's well worth watching, even though I say so myself. Uh, thanks very much to Howard Solicitors, who are based in Ashton, Stockport, uh, and in this greater Manchester area for their support of this podcast. Without them, I couldn't do the podcast. And so thanks very much to them. Uh, they have a website, which is howardsolicitors.com. And if you go and have a look on there, there's a phone number. If particularly in the Greater Manchester area, you can give them a call. If you've got any queries at all, if you've been for some reason got into a situation where you need some legal advice, they will help you. I promise you that. They specialise in people who aren't necessarily loads of funds and loads of money. Um, so if you think that you need some help, however trivial or however big it is, give them a call. Look at that phone number. Mention the Forever Blue podcast. I'm sure they'll love that. And they will help you as best they can. And if you're outside the area, the website might still be useful for basic advice and pointing you in the right direction. Now, inside the stadium today, after the, uh, the whole thing had happened, um, I actually spent a few minutes talking to Andy, who's one of our regulars on the podcast, and Colonel Doug Hurley, a former NASA astronaut who has been on the podcast before and who I've interviewed for the vlog and will does actually appear on the vlog uh, that is, accompanies this, uh, if you like, the celebration of the title. So have a look at that. You'll see him. But you will also hear him on this podcast in a few minutes. But uh, on the podcast, as we're doing it by Zoom, I'm joined from Florida by Steve Kinsey, former City player, who I had the great pleasure of uh, meeting up with in the summer when I was on a holiday over there. Not only is he charming and generous and has a lovely uh, partner who I can't speak highly enough of, who's even more attractive than Steve is, <laughs> certainly, certainly friendlier than Steve is. But I, I honestly had a great time. And Steve is a, a proper ex-City player, mank, lives, breathes, blues. So there's nobody better really to get on after uh, the first of hopefully the treble. And I've also got Tony, who uh, his company, Tony uh, Hot Click Marketing, supported me in the past. Maybe they'll support me in the future, but whatever. We've become friends. He's a great, great man, lovely City fan, and I'm proud to have him on the podcast at any time anyway. So thanks very much, Tony. So let's let's start with the, the former player, Steve. I guess you were watching it in your uh, sunny, luxurious Florida yes. home. What was it like watching it from a distance then? Well, first of all... It Ian, thanks very much um, for the kind words. Always uh, appreciate that. And 
it was great catching up with you. Like I said, you're the only person I've ever drove three hours to go and have dinner with. So it puts <laughs> you right up there at the top. And, um, and even Honoured. pay for it as well, which makes it even better for you. But uh, like I said, thanks a lot for the, the kind words. Uh, well, like you says, it's, it's amazing what's going on, what's been going on with City. And um, especially over the last, I was just saying today, me and Steph, that... Uh, you know, if anybody's like 20 years old, the only thing that they've known is probably City winning. You know, they've not suffered like we have and um, not suffered like you have, Ian, when you were watching me playing as well. But, um, <laughs> but um, no, super. Well, honestly, Steve, I'm not going to let that go past without saying that I loved watching you play. You played with your heart on your sleeve. You could tell you were a proper blue I love watching you. You were silky and smooth and, and exciting to watch. And I don't say that falsely. I mean that sincerely. You're a joy to watch. I mean, clearly the club are in a, a different stratosphere now, but don't, don't underestimate. And, and I know there's lots of other City fans who've said to me this, that they love watching you play, Steve. So oh, don't you. let that slip by without saying that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the way we were brought up just there. Uh, Always, there was always one thing that we did was we gave 100% all the time. And it, whether that was in training or whenever in the game, like some of our training sessions were more difficult than, than some of the games that were that uh, competitive. But uh, I think that's just where we were brought up now and uh, then. But uh, anyway, thank you. Thank you again. Well, getting back onto today's game today, like you said, it's a little bit flat, the game and everything, but it was great to see. You know, City start with three three boys that came through the academy. Thought that was super to see, and you know, I think we probably had at one time, you know, you know, five English players out there on the field as well, which was which was awesome. Um, and I thought the the young boys as well did well. I thought Folden was man of the match for me, and I thought Palmer did excellent as well on that left hand side as well. And uh, a great ball what he put through for uh, Alvarez to, to to finish, and a great finish that was as well. But um, it's always nice to beat Chelsea with basically playing uh, Man City's reserves. So I quite enjoyed that. And Chelsea, of course, have probably been the biggest spenders. You know, when you, when you look at this agenda that the media have, in recent months and the last year or two, they've spent more than anybody else. And you'll hear, well, you won't hear it, but the listeners will hear Andy in a moment talking about how the, the media seem to have slightly, um, in a way, thawed out and started to be a bit more about uh, supportive of City, but just because obviously they're dominating and everything. But there's still an element who wants to snipe and have a go and and still these charges from the Premier League hang over City as we speak. What's it like out there in the States when you're listening to the commentary, when you're reading a different media than we're reading? Are they sniping at City? Are they in admiration of City? What, what's I, I, I think when you're winning as much as City are, they're always trying to find something. So every time they mention how great City are, they always, uh, you know, finish up with that they are being accused of, uh, you know, falsifying uh, accounts. So they always, and, and until that's sorted out, you know, we can never really say truly how great they are, which, uh, you know, I mean, I just want to see, I just want to see football, a, a great game of football. And I want to see a team, and I'm very proud to that. That you know, I'm a City fan, and seeing some of the best football that's been played. And I think if if we can win this treble, I really think that will put this team up there with the the best teams that I've ever played. And uh, 
even you know it'll put us up there with with um, Pep's team that that he had at Barcelona, and and what a game that would be if we could ever see that one from Pep's what 2011 2012 team playing against this Man City team now. But I think we've got a I think we will win the treble. I actually said that before the season started. So um, I always thought um, Arsenal, you know, uh, would. I thought they, I, I was surprised how, how many games they actually won. I thought they would have tapered off before before now, but um, never fancied them to, to get over all these uh, hurdles, what they had to get over. Let's bring Tony in then at this point and say, um, you know, this is, a fabulous team, regardless of the snipers from the outside. I mean, I, I, I can't deny that, you know, we're living in a, a time of difficulty financially for a lot of people. I'm very well aware of that. I mean, it's, you know, I've had to try and find a, the cheapest possible way to get to Istanbul. Obviously, I want to be there. And and then so I'm, I'm, I'm as usual, going long-winded way around because the day trip that the club have put on is just under a £1,000. Stopping there for a couple of nights is, is 1500 quid. I haven't got that sort of money. And despite the fact that, you know, I'll be covering the game for Indian television, which is very nice. They don't even pay me enough to cover, you know, a quarter of the travel costs. So, um, <laughs> you know, I've still got to, keep it down and, and keep it cheap. So I'm very well aware of that. And when you look at the wages that, that play any, and I'm not talking about City, I'm talking about Premier League wages. When you're talking quarter of a million, a third of a million pounds a week, that does make me feel uncomfortable. But I'm able to sort of compartmentalise it, if you like, and, and just think, I want to watch beautiful football. And when they cross that white wash, wash they are footballers. They are, and they do play magnificent football. Mm -hmm. And you can't but enjoy it, Tony, can you? It is just the best football you're ever going to see. Yeah, and I think this season has proven that. You know, we look back to Wednesday night's game and, you know, I wasn't expecting that. I don't think many Blues were. Uh, well, I suppose more optimistic Blues than myself. I winced when Steve said that we're definitely going to win the treble there because that's just my pessimism. No matter how well we're playing, I'm always at you know two 0 up at half time on Wednesday. I was like, let's not celebrate yet. Three 0 Oh, remember last year? Let's not celebrate yet. Is the whistle gone yet? Right, celebrate now. <laughs> you know, so I'm always pessimistic. But yeah, some of the football this season, you know, I mean, last couple of seasons, and what's the brilliance of Pepe's. We lose players, you know, in summer, Sterling went, um, when we lost Silver, when we lost company, and you think, how are we going to reshape how the player's going to settle? And each year he reinvents, he brings a new dimension to the team, new players come in, that new tactics come about, that he just decides to tweak a couple of things. And the man's a genius, he really is. Um, and I don't think, you know, from, I mean, I, going back to what you're saying, what Andy was saying, I'd love to see what he's reading because I see a lot more of the, uh, <laughs> the negative side of what's written rather than the positive. I've not seen that change, but I think that's probably one of the shames, really, of the recent years, especially under Pep, is he's not been given the credit I don't feel that he deserves for what he's done because you can buy players by all means. Look at Chelsea, as you mentioned, you know, um, and it's not down to who you buy. It's the management, it's the tactics, it's how they're treated. It's the club. Um, look at today, for example, you know, was it Varna, 70, 80 million in the summer, gave the ball away. That led to our goal. Money doesn't necessarily buy quality footballers. Um, and I think, yeah, I think one of the downsides to the press is Pep hasn't got the credit that he deserves outside of true football fans and obviously City supporters as well. 
It was a bit in tongue-in-cheek at the press conference on Friday when somebody said, do, do you think your legacy is secure and people appreciate you? And he went, oh, yes, 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 yes. But I think we all know that uh, there is a lot of jealousy out there that doesn't really acknowledge the, the the quality of what he does. And that Real Madrid game that you talk, talked about there, Tommy, was a lot of people saying the best City have ever played. It was like the yeah. perfect, it was like some sort of FIFA game, you know, that, that if you designed a game to be perfect, that was it. Was that the way you saw it? I certainly saw it that way. Definitely. Um, you know, I thought in terms of the game, you know, a couple of players weren't necessarily on form all through the game, but the way we played all the way throughout, I think, yeah, it was just a phenomenal game and definitely one that I won't ever forget. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping come June the 3rd and uh, June the 10th, we'll be playing just the same again. Um, and maybe I'll allow myself to believe like Steve does, but until those final whistle goes, I'm too <laughs> pessimistic. If anybody can mess it up, we can, we all know that. So, uh, yeah, I'll wait till well, those that, final whistles. Ian, That's just I'm um, still in, isn't it? Go on, Steve. Ian, I'm just, um, you know, I was glad, you know, I thought we really did batter Real Madrid. I mean, four, four, nothing. I mean, it could have yeah. been six, it could have been seven. I was just so pleased that we did score those couple of goals at the end because two, two, nothing would have not just justified how really well they played. Definitely. I mean, I, I just can't, I couldn't see, just that there's not a weakness in the team that I can see. And one thing that, again, going back to kind of the media and what, you know, the, the jibes, empty had, et cetera, but one thing that the Spanish press brought up was the atmosphere in the ground and kind of the thing how it was probably one of the, well, best atmospheres they've ever faced in terms of the impact on how they played and they couldn't get out into their rhythm, um, which you just didn't pick up on the post-match press uh, out here. Obviously, it went to state-owned and all the rest of it that we usually get. Um, and again, that's credit to the fans that were there as well. It's a good point. Well made, Tony. Um, and talking about the atmosphere, now we'll we'll hear from Andy and we'll hear from Colonel Doug Hurley, the astronaut, because um, as the, the players were going around the side of the pitch afterwards, um, I turned around to Andy, who was going to come on the podcast tonight. And I mean, we, we're recording this slightly later than I'd originally planned because everything went on longer than, than it, you want it to. Uh, and so, you know, I thought I'm not even going to get a podcast at this rate. And Andy said, I've still got to get home and I'm not going to make... I said, all right, let's record a bit then. So I chatted to Andy, Doug Hurley, who I've had the great pleasure of, of picked him up at the airport. We had dinner with him yesterday. This astronaut took his shirt up into space. He watches City so intently with his family. He's a big, big City fan. And it was such a joy to spend time with him and, and my son and my wife to meet him and all the rest of it. He's such a, such a top fella. Then he was sat with me um, at the end when they were doing the lap of honour, as was Andy. So I thought, well, it's a perfect opportunity to chat to them both. Um, so you're going to hear now uh, with the app, the genuine noise of the, the, the players still going around the stadium, the views of, of Andy. Andy is one of the regulars on this and Colonel Doug Hurley. Here we are, they just uh, presented the trophy. How are you feeling? Well, uh, routine. As much as that sounds arrogant, this is number seven I've seen in the flesh. And uh, I never thought, really, at, at some points this season that we'd win the league so comfortably, so early. But I had absolute confidence that Arsenal would crumble with us in their, in their wing mirrors, as I said to you before. And the team has shown 
its resilience, its quality, its depth, its professionalism. And, the, you know, the game today was almost like a dead rubber, which is mad, isn't it? You know, we'd have, we'd have crawled over glass to see one of these. But, well, happy. And we move on to the next uh, two opportunities for the first time ever this season. I spoke to you before the game and you weren't that happy with the team selection, were you? No, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, it's entirely fair on people who probably forked out a lot of money to come today to put out basically a Carabao Cup team, dare I say. Nevertheless, they did the job, so maybe that just shows a little bit of the uh, technical skill we've got at this club, but for me it didn't matter, but I guess who came here today and they were open to see Erling and Kevin, and they did for for the sake of a few minutes, you know. So we've got people who've got different different reasons for coming now, and uh, I think they were probably only put on for for that for that reason. Here we are, City just won the league again, um, got the trophy today. Obviously, it's been an amazing season so far. There are still two more trophies to play for. I've been speaking to people outside the ground before they came today. Older people particularly, how does this compare to what you've seen before? Are we watching the greatest Manchester City team and maybe even the greatest Premier League team there's ever been? Of the City team, I would say without a doubt. Not even, a, I'm sure others have said the same, Ian. Best Premier League team. I'll leave that to others who haven't got the bias that we've got. And all I hear is that the ink from reporters has turned from red ink to blue ink. Um, and I think that they realise now that this is not just a, a team that's been coming in the last few years, but it's a decade in the building and it's got more to come. And, and others who want to come and try and steal us away have got an enormous mountain to climb. And I think that's frightening the... Uh, the whole football fraternity to be honest I think they're quite worried that we might become even a one team league um, I, I think United were the last team who probably had that kind of power and strength over the over the Premier League and maybe we're we're in for that for a, for a wee while longer somebody asked me today what we're we missing in terms of players and I struggled a little bit to think where we would need to to go for players in any transfer window apart from re-signing what we've got and then looking at maybe um, maybe additional uh, players out of the academy and, um, and, and and those who who clearly our our scouting system and and, and player selection system have got eyed up in South America and and Europe so just have total confidence in the ability of the club to spend the money wisely on the right kind of players and we're not in any any race for players just because of money where we were when this whole project started I think other teams perhaps one today we've seen and others are going to overspend for players and we don't have to participate in that so yeah I think we're in a great place without a doubt the best the best thing I've ever seen 
I thought I thought Bayern Munich was something else, but I think the Madrid game was was just cherry on the bun, really. Given where we are now, watching this team celebrate on the day of the lifting the trophy, two weeks still to go to the FA Cup final. He's rested a few today. We think he'll almost certainly do the same at Brighton and Brentford. United I still have to play at least a competitive side because I think they need a point to secure Champions League for next year. Is there any concern, you know, that City will lose the rhythm going into those two big games against United and then into Milan? Because I, I can't deny that I'm caught in a, in a, a dilemma because on the one hand... I want to rest them. I want them to be fully fit, don't want to risk injury. But also, I think sometimes having that match tempo, whatever you want to call it, keeps it ticking over. And yeah, United will have that. I don't know whether Milan will have that into, but City might not have it. Is that a concern at all? Well, I mean, uh, to my better half, uh, who's convinced that our momentum has taken us past Arsenal, she would say, without a doubt you've got to keep it going how we do that um, I don't quite know perhaps at Brighton we field uh, the team that will play against United and at Brentford maybe a lesser side uh, that would make sense just because in case anybody gets a knock they've got more recovery time no I do I do have concerns about it um, and today was a little bit of an experiment I thought players wanted to see our players play in different positions and we got the win and I, and I think that's testament to the level we're at but I agree I think, I think the momentum could be could be key and I have full confidence again in Guardiola and his team to make the right decisions uh, we don't want to turn up against United Rusty So what does this today mean to you summing it up for us because I know we're going to be recording the podcast later on and everybody's wanting to be here and enjoy the moment, so this little bit will fit into the podcast. For those who are listening in other parts of the country, all over the world, who can't be here, you know, what, what does this mean to you today, sitting here watching this? It means, it means so much, Ian. Uh, I think if I live for the next 30 years watching City, I still have watched more pain and tragedy than I will have... Uh, of fantastic football um, we had some great moments in the decades gone by but this is on another level and if this can be sustained I, I, I'll be so pleased this this club has moved into another level this season and I, I, I can't believe what I'm watching to be honest I'm sure that most fans of my age are of the same opinion and they just want to Enjoy every minute, milk it, even though it means that we've got to spend a few quid more to do that. Um, with all the travelling and the uh, and the competition for tickets and the pricing systems and the difficulties with getting tickets and all, all that we've discussed on the previous podcast, this is just amazing. And coming over here on the train this morning, said, you know... It's number seven. I could never imagine ever seeing us lift seven Premier League trophies. It would be uh, a dream, a wild, my wildest dream. So I'm really pleased to be here today with my family, my friends, celebrating yet another amazing 
season where at Christmas we were once again written off. I think we win the cup for being written off at Christmas. Um, I think statistically we might have only been once at, at the top in the 100 point season I think every other season someone else has been there and we've the shark attack as it's as it's referred to as has occurred before the end of May and uh, yeah just just a joy to be a blue it's always a joy to speak to you Andy thank you very much I'm going to see if I can get a word now with a friend of mine who's come over from the United States today so uh, joining me now on the podcast is uh, Colonel Doug Hurley you may have seen him in City Square stood here we're in the stadium team is still going round with the trophy what do you make of all this you come over from the States especially for it you're drinking it in I can see you sort of absorbing it what do you make of it well it's just I mean it's just incredible to just be here and see everything in person I mean I've seen it on TV a few times but this is just to be able to just live it and take it all in is just so special and I'm just thankful I got to get over here to do this I just wish my son would have been here but we had a little issue with his passport so um, but we'll get over another time but it's been wonderful I just spoke to Andy who said that he was disappointed with the team selection today because of people like you coming over here from long distance and not getting to see the team so how do you feel now having made the decision to come over here watch the second string almost still win still look impressive but not see the stars you might have wanted and needed to win today yeah, I, I mean, you have to understand from Pep's perspective and from the team's perspective, you know, we've got two more huge games coming up uh, on the 3rd and the 10th. And, yeah, personally, of course, it's a little disappointing to, to see, uh, you know, a second 11 maybe. But he did bring in, he brought in Erling, he brought in Rodri, he brought in Kevin. So, I mean, he did bring in some of the some of the workhorses that have gotten us to this point and uh, you can certainly understand you know why he did it but it's part of it you know you pick your games and matches to come to and this is what sometimes happens I mean I don't think there were many people here in Manchester last night that expected Forrest to to nick it from Arsenal frankly and uh, once that happened I'm sure Pep's team sheet changed uh, considerably uh, after Arsenal lost. Yeah, obviously you were in. You came over specifically to give in your shirt to the club, yep. which flew in space. Okay. You're in City Square. What was that like for you? You've met the vice president. You've met Elon Musk. You've travelled the world here in City. You're on City stage, handing over your shirt that flew in space. How did they compare? <laughs> it was just wonderful that the team gave me the opportunity. Um, you know, I I think back over the. 12 or so years that I've been a fan um, and how much joy the club has brought me personally and our family and the experiences my son and I've had coming over here for some of these matches, Champions League, Premier League and so you know, to be given the opportunity to, to fly something special that was you know, for me in space and then be able to present it back to the club was just I mean, it was the least I could do given all the wonderful times we've experienced uh, over the last 10 12 years how good is this team <laughs> unbelievable I, I mean I'm, I, I just you know you just have to do all these things and keep your fingers crossed your toes crossed and everything just because they are they should they should win against United in the FA Cup and they should beat enter and and 
the Champions League, but we know they're just they're single games, they're one-offs. But I mean, they're so well positioned and uh, ready for just an incredible amount of glory. So I can't wait to watch it. Uh, I doubt I'll get back for either one of those matches, but uh, I'll be watching from the states and uh, can't wait to see how well they do. Keep the flag flying in America. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would just love uh, love to come back, especially for the Champions League. Uh, but you know, it just it gets challenging with everything else. Life gets in the way. But uh, I'll be watching from afar and uh, can't wait. So that was uh, Colonel Doug Hurley. Before that, we heard from Andy uh, talking in the stadium when the, the players were doing the lap of honour. And uh, I guess for somebody to come over from the States um, and watch it, watch a game and be there for such a big moment when you, you generally consume the games on TV, must and I know it was really, really special to him. But Andy made the point uh, within that conversation about the team selection for today's game. Now, when I, I was with Doug and, as Nottingham Forest beat Arsenal, and as soon as it happened, he said to me, that's changed the team selection for Pep tomorrow. And I yeah. agreed with him completely. I thought, well, he's not going to pick all the big guns anymore. Yeah. Uh, Andy was disappointed and felt that there should be a show for the people who came along to see the trophy celebration. Where do you two stand on that? I thought it was the right right team selection. You know, I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a squad it's a squad game. You know, it's a squad. So you've got to play those players, and those players deserve to to be out there today. The ones that started, I thought he did the right thing, and uh, it's probably the best subs bench of all time. You know, so uh, and and Pep, he did it again, didn't he? I mean, because he proved it. I mean, they went out there, game was a bit flat and everything, but um, they won one nothing. Yeah, they still beat Chelsea. I mean, earlier this season, um, a side that was not dissimilar to that played away at Southampton in the League Cup and got beat and went out of the competition. And they showed today, and I'm sure this would have been part of Pep's team talk. You know, prove me wrong. He must have said to Calvin Phillips. You know, that he's been a little bit critical of Calvin Phillips and said he's not ready for the first team yet. And we've seen players come good in the second season. But he, this is an opportunity now. And he must have said to him before the game, go out there now and prove me wrong. Just as he, when he criticised Kyle Walker a little bit, and Kyle Walker, wow, what a game he had the other night. Had Vinicius yeah. Jr. in his pocket and was just sensational. And even Kevin De Bruyne, when he took him out of the team for a couple of games and said he's not quite as on it, you know, at the moment. And then Kevin Bruyne must have come back, we don't know, but came back and said, I'll show you. And he's sort of thrown the gauntlet down to Calvin Phillips. And maybe to emerging talents like Sergio Gomez and Cole Palmer and Foden, who's been eased out with Jack Grealish and everything. That was their opportunity and will be, no doubt, against Brighton and Brentford as well, won't it? Yeah, I think I think uh, the way Foden was playing, that was, he's, you know, he wants to be in those. He wants to be in that. He wants to be in the FA. He's probably thinking about the FA Cup as well. He wants to start. He played that. He was definitely man in a match today. Were you disappointed with that team, Tony? No, and I think, I mean, I get what Andy's saying, um, but when, you know, we've all known for years now, um, Pep will always throw a surprise, regardless of who we're playing or at what stage of the season. There's been team selections in the past where I've scratched my head going, what the hell is he doing at four, uh, before, you know, kickoff? And then by the end of uh, fingers, like, well, what do I know? Um, so, yeah, you know, he's always going to throw these surprises. And he played his subs well today. 
15 minutes to go. He brought De Bruyne on, you know, he brought those subs on for the fans and, you know, so they could get their applauses and stuff. Um, and, you know, a lot of the fans have been there all season to see them play. Um, and like you say, it was a chance for uh, some of those players to get match fitness, to show what they can do. And especially somebody like Ortega, for example, to try and build up that match sharpness before the FA Cup final as well, um, because that's going to have an impact on how he performs on the day as well against United. Because um, obviously we all expect him to play like he has done uh, throughout the rest of the competition. Um, and also, you know, you forget players like Rico. I know he's only 18, but at the start of the season, he was instrumental to how we were playing. And, you know, until a couple of players rotated in, had the forms of the live and then came in. So, again, you know, he deserved to play today um, and, you know, soak it up because we were, you know, obviously champions last night. Um, so, yeah, I was didn't, didn't shock me, the selection. Um, the only concern that I had uh, or going forward is, I know a lot of well, you champions now, you can relax. Personally, yes, they can do. We can play around with the squad a little bit, but I still want to win the next two games because it's that momentum. It's the going into the FA Cup, uh, you know, without losing and keep that ball rolling and that belief in we are going to get a goal, we can get a goal. Whereas it only takes, you know, a little knock here or lose one game and you can lose that ball but you know 12 on the bounce and I think that's really been key to us winning and putting that pressure on Arsenal You made a great point Tony about trying to second guess what Pep does and you see the team sometimes and I'm as guilty of it as anybody and think what's he done that for and that team doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean, and then they just completely destroy the opposition and you think that's why he's a genius and why I know nothing however I'm now going to ask both of you the question which is City play Brighton on Wednesday, which is only three days away, and then Brentford on Sunday before the FA Cup final and the Champions League final. So you're taught, let's start with you, Tony, because you know you wanted to have a rhythm. You wanted to, to to keep people. So what do you do? Do you if you were Pep, do you pick your strongest team against Brighton and then rest them all against Brentford, or do you mix and match, or you do 60 minutes of a play? How would you do it? Um, I think it's going to be a bit of rotation between the two, really, because I know you've got to give players rest, but at the same time, you've got to keep that match sharpness, like I said before. So they've got to come in. You can't rest them now until the FA Cup and then expect them to be on top form during the FA Cup. So it will be a bit of a rotation with the subs and playing it. But I see a similar, about four changes from today in that sense. And then again, similar when we play Brentford um, and just kind of mixing up a little bit but not drastic overhauls. And I think he will want those players to, you know, keep playing. And if we do go down or if it's not looking, he will, you know, bring the key players off the bench if they're on it to try and change the game and, you know, go and show them what you can do. You didn't, um, obviously, you did, you two guys didn't hear what Andy said, but he also said to me, even when we weren't recording, that he's still glad that we didn't have to go to Brighton and Brentford yeah. to get points. Is that, well, you, you're obviously agreeing with that, Tony. Yeah, they were the two games. Like, it's weird because I knew with Chelsea, being Chelsea, we were if we had to win it, we were going to, not necessarily win it, I never have that optimism, as you know, but I knew we were going to put in a shift, put in a performance, where it is those Brighton and Brett, especially how Brighton have been playing of late, um, that, yeah, they're always kind of, those kind of bogey teams that kind of can slip us up sometimes. Um, and they were the two games that, yeah, I looked at, all right, um, they're going to be the difficult ones for us to win if we're going to, you know, uh, go on to win the league. So it is quite good that we can relax a little bit. But as I say, I don't want us to relax too much. I want that momentum going into both finals. I think it's going to be key for us. 
What about you, Steve? I think he's. Uh, I mean, he see he sees the players, doesn't he? Pep? He sees them every yeah. day. He sees them, you know, day in day out. He's going to know what they need. The players know what they need. I think you just you summed it up from the start. Even when you said, look, when those players step over that white line, they know what they're doing. I mean, every player knows every move, where they're going, when to go, when to stay, when to, you know, the, the top professional, you know, players. So I definitely think he'll, he'll do pretty similar with this, the team. I think he'll bring players in. I think we're obviously keeping players fresh, probably thinking about, obviously, certain players he's not going to want to get injured as well. So I think that's going to, that's going to be a key as well as well I mean but we've got the two biggest games coming up you know the FA Cup and then the Champions League final so I think these two games I agree with the you know let's have the momentum and all that but they they know what they're doing I don't think regardless if we got beat both of these games I still think we can go on and win the FA Cup final and then win the Champions League so I won't put too much emphasis on, on, on these two games coming up I know you, and, and this isn't meant to be some sort of ironic joke, but I know you never played in a Champions League final or a, you know, an FA Cup final. But if you were building up to games like that as a player, you know, there would have been an equivalent big game at the end of a season or sometime in your career. Does it does it prey on your mind? And and how do you how do you get rid of that? Is that all down to the manager and the coach? Ian, everybody's everybody's different, but for me personally, I just. Uh, I was as soon as I got on the field, I just you just you just go and play. I mean, I, I mean, whether I was playing in the you know the youth team, the 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 reserves, the first team, I just had the same man mentality. I just wanted to give me best at all times as well. I mean, when I played, I mean, when we played at Wembley, we played in the full members' cup final. You know, obviously, as a kid, I'd always wanted to play at Wembley. But, you know, loved the atmosphere. Just loved and wanted to be there. I wanted to go and play. I couldn't wait to get out there and play. So the enthusiasm just, just takes over everything. So to me, it never never affected me. I didn't have to build up or get myself up, up for any game. Just wanted to go and, and play and, and give 100% and then, and then and go from there. Would it be any different if you were taking a penalty? You know, at the end of one of these finals, um, I would have, I would have loved to have had the opportunity to do that because of, you know, I would have always raised my hand to to take a penalty. I mean, it's just a, hey, what a great opportunity to score, isn't it? I'd never, I'd never turn away from that. So it wouldn't weigh on your mind because when you watch people, you know, when you're watching a non-City game and you watch a penalty shootout, you can sometimes see the body language of a player who comes forward. It looks like they've got the weight of the world on the shoulders. They well, take the long run up short. That would have never affected you then. I, I have been in, I've been in a situation like that before when the manager will ask you, he'll go, who wants to take one? Because that's the first thing they usually want. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty hard to get five people to raise their hand. Not everybody's like, oh, well, you, you're not usually getting like 10 people putting their hands up, I'll take it. It's uh, not everybody jumps in, but you're getting an opportunity to score from there. You got to go for it, especially if, you, if, if you're a forward midfield. I can't understand when I see defenders taking penalties before forwards. I, I, I don't understand that one. Do you feel nervous watching, Tony? <laughs> 
when it comes well, to penalties, the, yeah, well, penalties. And <laughs> once you get to these bigger games, for a, we're going to do another podcast before the Manchester derby at Wembley, but that is a big, tense game for especially for a fan, isn't it? To think you can take losing a game, but you don't want to lose to United in the final, do you? Yeah, no, and it was a um. A debate we had in the WhatsApp group in terms of uh, out of the two finals. And I think if we weren't playing United, a lot of people would have said, oh, well, we'll leave the FA Cup to get the Champions League in that sense. If you could choose one of the two in that sense. Um, but because we're playing United, everyone was like, oh, actually, no, we've got to win both. Because I can't choose between them because we don't want to lose to United. Um, I'm nervous before every game, as you know. I'm, as I said before, I'm pessimistic when it comes to every game with City. Um, and in the finals, you know, I'm even worse. I carry out every superstition I have. Um, the right socks, the right shirt and all the rest of it for uh, every, every final. Make sure I've ticked all the boxes, you know, scratch my head in the right place and all that stuff. Because, yeah, <laughs> uh, those, those nerves just come uh, by the dozen when it comes to those extra important games. Go Ian, I, I'm more I'm more nervous watching than I was playing. <laughs> yeah, no, no question about that. I mean, you should have, when I'm watching in here, I'm I'm, I'm I'm screaming. You know, I mean, it's uh, especially when we score. Well, I'll tell you this story. I was we as I said, we had Colonel Doug Holdy, the, the astronaut, over right, and uh, we had dinner with him last night, and we asked him, you know, are you scared when you're sort of sick it, sitting on a rocket? And <laughs> you know, they have they have sort of you know, Challenger and Columbia were you know terrible disasters, and it isn't safe going into space. You know, things can go wrong, and and he said, uh, I'm not breaking his confidence by saying this, that he, you know, it was it was all focus, it was all you know. Um, never thought about things like that he was aware of the dangers but never thought of it but he is actually married to another astronaut who's called karen and he said when he watched her go up he was more nervous watching her go up than when he went up and i think that probably sums it up doesn't it you know when we're watching city we're dead nervous when you were playing you were the last person to be nervous yeah that's 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 how that's how i feel about it i'm sure the players are as well you know, what was it like? Hey, we're only uh, we're only playing United in the FA Cup final. There's nothing to be nervous about. <laughs> you, I mean, you must have played games against United at, at any level, and know as a City fan that those were the key games. Yeah, did, did it? Are you telling me it never made any difference to you? I mean, oh, oh, as soon as you no in the in the dressing room, yeah, you can feel that. You can feel it. It's building up. But once you get on over that white white line, no. Not at all. No, I just went, just went and played. You must have ice in your veins. No, 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 not at all. Ian. Ian, I'm sure there's a lot of um, a lot of players are like that. I'm sure. I'm telling you, I've spoken to players about that. It's a lot. It's easier playing. I'm telling you. I must admit, when I look at the current City team, they do seem to me to be a very relaxed team. They, they don't give every any. Body language vibes off Tony, do they? Of being well, a nervous. Well, team. Ian, Ian, when you've got the ball 75 to 80 percent of the time, you've got a good chance, haven't you? That's true, you know. But they don't transmit nerves to me, Tony, do they? To you, um, no, I think it's just belief. Um, you know, they have belief in Pep, they have belief in what they're going to do. Um, and as I say, you know, that unbeaten one we've been on that gives them further belief so they know when they go out onto the pitch they have the belief that it could be the 88th minute but we will get this goal 
um, because they've done it before. So I think that kicks in. It's also that control aspect, isn't it? Whereas when you're watching, you have no control, but to, you know, what watches you're more nervous. Whereas if you're on the pitch, you determine, you try and control and you think you can get that outcome. So you're, yeah, you're more in control of your destiny in that sense. Whereas um, from, as a spectator, yeah, the nerves are, uh, <laughs> it can get quite bad sometimes, especially with those big games. But as I say, I think um, the players don't show it. Um, and when you see some of the behind the scenes stuff in the dressing room, whatever, you can see that they, you know, they fire each other up um, and they have that belief of we can do this, and you know, um, and obviously I know some of that's edited down for our consumption um, because you know fans love to see it. But I do believe that the players, you know, have that faith in themselves, and when they go out there, it doesn't matter who's playing. And this will be the point that Pep makes about the team selection: is it doesn't matter who I select, they know what's expected of them, and I have faith that they will do it. Um, so you can say anything you want about the selection, but Pep has that belief in his players as well, and I think that kind of leads into them. Ian, Ian, going back to um, saying would have been nervous, um, I would have been nervous going back into the 80s on a, on a very muddy pitch, having the boys trying to play out of the back. Yes, I would have <laughs> been very nervous. <laughs> Good point. The pitches are like snooker tables these days, really. A lot yeah. different, yeah. But Each I get nervous when we, when, when we are trying to play out of the back, yes. I do get a little bit twitchy at times. Even so, we're brilliant at it. Still, a, you know, a bit yeah. twitchy. But each game is different. So if you look at Real Madrid and you say their players, that they don't usually look nervous. But if we go back to Wednesday, the atmosphere, and we made them nervous um, as fans and as a club um, because of where we're at. So, yes, you know, 90% of the time they won't look nervous. But, you know, it can creep in because of outside circumstances. Um, and that's always going to be a factor. And, you know, that's where, you know, Pep always says the fans come into play. Um, and, you know, I think we do do our part, especially at the Etihad, when we look at our record at home, especially in the Champions League. Anyway. Good point. Well made. I mean, what do you, uh, Ian, what, do you, uh, what are your predictions then for the uh, FA Cup? Well, I don't do predictions. I get asked <laughs> all the time. And you listen to me. Some, I'll be on tomorrow on Sirius XM, FC, whatever it's called, with Rodney. Um, oh, good. Tommy, yes, I Tommy. will be listening. And, and they try to eke a prediction out of me for games. And I always say I don't do uh, scoreline predictions or, or predictions because so many things can be variables like, you know, an injury, a sending off or a bit of luck or VAR or whatever. Yeah. I can have an instinct and, and my instinct is that City are going to win the treble as we sit here now. I know Tony won't like me saying that, but that is the way that I feel. So my, my next question is sort of given... Bright, Brighton and, and Brentford sort of were dismissing that, for, for, you know, and saying they don't matter. It's going to be a mixture of a team that plays. If City lose both, it will have no bearing. That's what we're assuming, no bearing. So coming up to the FA Cup final now, we saw what Pep must have decided was his, well... He might argue that wasn't necessarily his best team. It was the right team for the job. But we as outsiders fans look at that and think he must have picked what he thinks is his best team because he picked the same team for both legs against Real Madrid. So does he pick that team for Manchester United and the same team again for the Champions League final? The Ortega obviously will start in goal, Tony. You're right about that. I expect Ortega. But apart from that, 
do you think it'll be that or will he you know might he be tempted to say to to Phil Foden well you know you can play in this one and Jack can play in the other one or how does that all work do you think I think with Pep is, and this is one of the things that has us scratching our heads sometimes when we see those lineups is, I think, yes, that was his strongest team at that point in the season. But if he sees stuff in training, if he sees over the next two games a certain player that he thinks, well, actually, this will change it up. So whether that's Foden coming in um, for whoever, whether that be, you know, Grealish, Silver, et cetera, from that Real Madrid game, then he will change it. There's no doubt about that. Um, and this is why you can never second guess him, really. Um, I think it's slightly different with the FA Cup because he will have a couple of players that have got us there that have played in previous ones. So, as we've said, like Ortega. I think I expect Rico as well in the FA Cup final there. Um, and yeah, so I think with Pep, that was his strongest team of that month kind of thing, really. Um, I just think that he sees them, as I say, in training, how they're playing, the mentality whether they're ready for that game and expect him to change it um, for those two. Um, obviously, as fans, we think, well, why, why are you going to change it? But obviously, he, he sees things we'll never see. He won't be allowed to to, to drop players um, or pick a, what is perceived by fans to be a weaker team for the FA Cup final. Never forgive him if he loses to United. Will mm-hmm. No. I mean, if it was me, I'd play your strongest team. That what he thinks his strongest team is, and what I think it is is what he played against Real Madrid. I think that's the way he should go, and then bring players in from there, like whether you change or whether Folden does get on with Grealish. But I think that team, what he's got right now, what he had for the Real Madrid game, is his strongest team. So let me throw the question back at you two now that you asked me, which is what's going to happen in these two games then? You can do score predictions. You can just tell me what your gut feeling is. Go with it whichever way you want. Mate, gut feeling. City um, 3-1 in the FA Cup final and 3-0 in the Champions League final. So you're very confident then? Yes. I think Champions League final will be attack against defence. I think you'll see the same thing. City, 78, 80% possession. It'll be attack against defence. And you think about, and they're they're a decent team as well. They will probably, if they played in the Premier Division, they will probably be, you know, in the top, probably the top five, top six team. So they're a good team. And and as we know, on any given day, anything can happen. But uh, on a on a one off, anything can happen. But the way we're playing, very very confident that we that we'll uh, we'll win them both. Tony's going to bring us down to earth now with his <laughs> with his trademark pessimism or his cityitis or whatever you want to call it, Tony. I'm hopeful, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not giving you predictions because as as hopeful as I am, I'm too nervous and too pessimistic to say we're going to win them both. Obviously, I hope we do. Um, but I think if the things with derbies is, and we knew this back in Main Road, you know, before um, the takeover and whatever else, there was the chance for an upset. Um, we've done it in the past to them. Um, look at the last game at Main Road, for example. Um, and that's the, the beauty of a derby, whether it's an FA Cup final or not. Um, so that's what makes me nervous about the, the FA Cup, I suppose, because it is a derby, regardless of what competition it is. Um, and then with the Champions League, obviously, 
Inter Milan, Italian team, how they set up. We expect them to, you know, have five at the back, so they're going to be hard to break down. And, you know, we've struggled with teams that you know, kind of part the bus in the past. So, yeah, um, I'm hopeful, but I'm forever pessimistic. Well, we've had a great day at the Etihad today. Uh, Singing City lift the trophy, the first of potentially three. Two big finals, one at Wembley against Manchester United. And then, of course, the trip to Istanbul to face Inter Milan and a second chance to lift that big-eared trophy for the first time. It's certainly an exciting time to be a City fan. But before that, there's a trip to Brighton, there's a trip to Brentford, and I'm certainly going to be at those two games doing what I always do, uh, vlogging and talking to fans, etc. Thanks very much to Howard Solicitors. Um, give them a check out. HowardSolicitors.com is the website. Their email uh, is, is on there. Their number's on there and loads of information about what they do. And I really appreciate the support, as I do, with Steve Kinsey, former City player, and Tony from Hot Click Marketing, who has been uh, or have been my guest, along with... Andy, shouldn't ignore Andy, who was uh, also our guest from the stadium, and Colonel Doug Hurley, the NASA astronaut who's paraded in City Square today. So next week we'll do another podcast. We'll do it. We'll record it on the Monday night after the Brentford game. So it'll be a little bit later than normal, but we'll still be here to do a podcast as we count down then to the Manchester derby at Wembley. Wow, can't believe we're saying things like this. Um, but it's still pinch me time as far as I'm concerned. Thanks to you two guys for, for being there tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, and as ever, uh, and never ever meant it more, there's one thing you can't deny right now. Isn't it great to be a blue? <laughs>